0: Whatever the reason that brings us here this night, every one of us is marking and celebrating a great religious festival. And we're doing this in an age in which we've come to recognize again the importance of religion in international affairs, and we've also come to despair of the marriage of violence and power that seems to go with it. You may be aware that some researchers call the Pacific Pacific northwest of this country, the nun zone. It's not because there is a surfeit of Roman Catholic women in religious orders. It is because more people check none as their religious preference than anywhere else in the country. Religion is not everybody's cup of tea. You've probably met people, if you're not one yourself, who say they are spiritual and not religious. And it's best not to probe too far for any positive content to that statement. There is usually, however, negative content, and it usually is that the person doesn't like religion or organized religion or something of that sort. The great essayist and polemicist who died recently, Christopher Hitchens, and I like a lot of what he wrote, and I want to mention him in the pulpit just to get one more spin from the grave as he he goes. But he's one of the so-called new atheists, Uh, who rails against the harm that has been done by and in the name of this religion over the ages and has concluded that the world would be better off if we could eradicate it altogether. He and others like to mock many notions of God as nonsensical. But what I think they really dislike is the abuse of power that we see whenever people seek to impose their ideas on another set of people, claiming that it's good for those other people where in fact it aggrandizes their own power. And it's often supported by really shoddy theology, which it's easy to reject. That kind of God is nonsense. But God, the living God, is not nonsense. God is the one who seeks to save us from the nonsense that includes crusades and inquisition and sexual misconduct by clergy and the cover-up of it and justification of terror and murder and all of the other things that have been done in the name of one religion or another. The child whose birth we mark this night will grow to expose nonsense and to enable us to live in a new and a different and a richer way. In Jesus, we are offered both story and invitation, and this story and invitation can and have been, we must acknowledge, perverted into doctrine imposed and coercion, but which need not be. Religio means in Latin, I bind. Same word as ligament or ligature. A ligamentum was the word for a a bandage or or a wrapping, a cloth, a piece of cloth that was wrapped around someone. In fact, ligamentum was kind of a swaddling cloth. A swaddling cloth was just such a bandage. And as this story of Jesus and his importance gets pushed back with significance to seeing his birth The birth of important people always having significant uh, events around them. And then even further, actually, back into the beginning of creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and so on. Religion, religio, it's at the heart of the story. Mary and Joseph wrapped their baby in swaddling cloths, just as we do with babies today. They bound him, both reminding him some sense of the safety of the womb and memory of some other home, perhaps, and also protecting him from the germs that were all around him. See, appropriate binding can be about greater freedom and making us strong and, ironically, making us truly free. One way in which our story has been told down the ages is the story of God choosing limits. All of the action is God's, but God chooses to be particular to, to be limited in many ways, Jesus was born into a particular time and place we don 't tell the story of ideas we tell the story of a person the adopting this adopting of limits proved to be the way of salvation in many ways and not least in the quality of the relationships which jesus in which Jesus found himself he taught his disciples and he called them friends he shared Uh, himself with others, as well as having times by himself to rest or to pray. He received and accepted gifts, often when criticized for it, like when he received the costly gift of oil that was poured upon him by Mary of Magdala in Simon's house. He denied illegitimate power so he could have an over-against relationship. He acted with integrity when he kept silence at his trial. He taught nonviolence, resistance to oppression, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. He extended himself to the rich when he dined with the powerful, like at Simon's house. But he, dined, he extended himself especially, and in many ways, to the poor, especially when he dined with them. But perhaps most of all, he helped, he helped people around him and people who hear this story down the ages and so us, see ourselves as people beloved of God. And when we're beloved of God, we don't need to abuse power. We don't need to blame others about something in order to feel better about ourselves. We don't need to demonize those with whom we disagree. And Jesus shows us more than this. Jesus shows us that we don't have to internalize oppression when we find ourselves in the position of the weak the powerless, the victim. We don't have to tell ourselves we are less than we are. We don't have to tell ourselves we deserve whatever tribulation has been set upon us by others. We don't have to avoid contact with others as a kind of self-righteous or reverse prejudice. We don't have to imagine that we are cheating anyone other than ourselves, and we think we're beating the system. The story of the babe of Bethlehem is the story of one who is going to grow to invite us into a radically new humanity, a new community that is marked not by blaming, not by victimization, not by power. It's going to be marked by love and respect and dignity and integrity. And we are invited to become participants in that story, followers of Jesus. We're invited to bind ourselves to choose freely to bind ourselves, to live more freely and generously and more courageously than we ever imagined possible in this material world. We're invited to discover this new humanity in which we choose to be limited for the sake of others and so discover the truth again that with limits, we're actually more free, that it is in giving that we receive, that in service that we find freedom, in dying to ourselves, that we begin to find our way into what real and abundant life can be. Some of you might be familiar with an old story, parable of five monks, elderly monks, in a monastery that was declining, were clearly running out of steam. They were pretty depressed. The writing was on the wall. The place was going to have to close sooner or Later. Maybe they'd die first, maybe they wouldn't. And this bothered the father abbot. And so one day, the story goes, he went out in the woods outside the monastery to pray and reflect. And he ran into an elderly rabbi who was also in those woods praying and reflecting. And they talked about the old days and how things used to be and how people seemed to care in a way they didn't anymore. And in time, the abbot asked the rabbi, uh, told him about the monastery and asked whether he had any advice for him. And the rabbi said one thing. He said, one of you, one of the five of you is the Messiah. Wouldn't explain. Didn't say anything else. Just one of the five of you is the Messiah. And the abbot went back and told the monks, and they laughed. They laughed a lot because they knew each other. And they knew each other's follies, and they knew each other's foibles, and they knew each other's peccadilloes, and they knew each other's sins. And they knew for sure that none of them was the Messiah. But the story goes that over time, one by one, they began to wonder, could could it be? Is it possible? And they began to notice things anew about each other. And a new spirit of respect began to develop and to grow. And they began to notice and appreciate each other for their gifts and their sacrifices and for what they offered. And surely and slowly and surely, a new sense of dignity began to shape their common life. And so almost inevitably, others were soon drawn to this monastery and attracted to join them. It's a parable. But when the story of Jesus is told in ways that lead us to know more freedom, when we see one another living courageously with all kinds of burdens, when we see extraordinary generosity that makes no sense at one level, when we see more whole and integrated lives around us than we saw before, when we start to experience that for ourselves, then the invitation to follow Jesus is compelling. To bind ourselves freely and religiously is compelling. Tonight we're celebrating the birth of hope into the world and into our lives. And we're celebrating that it is in the particularity of God's commitment to us, which comes first, that we can begin to find grace to make our own commitments to live among the followers of Jesus on the way and in the way that is the way of life. It is never too late to join. It is never too late to accept the invitation. This is not the nun zone. This is a place where religion is a good thing, where we can celebrate the reality of all that is Christmas and celebrate with abandon, with gorgeous flowers and gorgeous music and wonderful, rich prayers and readings and song. This is the place where we can celebrate. And if you would like to make a commitment to exploring and living this way of life, or if your commitment has become faded and stale and tired, and maybe you'd like to renew your commitment to exploring this way of life, or if you're looking for a community of faith that will not ask you to check your brain at the door and believe in the kind of God that those atheists reject, we reject that God too, then you can say yes. You can come forward to communion. Everyone, who wishes to respond to God in this way this night, is welcome at the Lord's table. You can know the God, the living God, as the source of real and abundant life and say yes to God, yes to hope, yes to all of the things that this story of Christmas and its particular commitment imply, yes to life. And then if you do that, be sure and tell someone that you accepted the invitation. A very merry and happy and blessed Christmas to each and every one of you. I offer this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.